Welcome to Catholic in America. Today, our topic is pornography. We'll be talking about today the appeal of pornography, the industry itself, as well as the impact it's having upon our culture and society. So if you or someone that you love is struggling with this epidemic that is destroying society, please stay tuned. Hey guys, thanks for watching Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon, your host. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Father Doug Martin and Father Tom Dillon. Like, share, and subscribe. So guys, today we're talking about pornography, a uh, porn, which is a very, very uh, uh, prevalent issue, something that has infected and affected all of society. And I think it's important for us to kind of, uh, as we start this, talk a little bit about sort of how widespread this really is, because maybe if people grew up in a different era, they maybe don't un quite understand um, how readily accessible it is, how many people it's impacting, what a cultural impact it has, has had and continues to have. It's definitely a major problem. Uh, I think that everyone, it's kind of the untalked about problem that everyone kind of knows is, a, is an issue, but everyone kind of wants to, a little bit, in my, at least my estimation, kind of put our heads in the stand like ostriches and pretend like, oh, it's not really that bad, despite the fact that it's probably the most thing that we hear as priests, at least. It's one of the most common things that we hear regularly in confession mm -hmm. is how it is destroying people's families, how it's destroying people's relationships with their spouses, how their children are addicted to it. Um, I work in the schools, you know, in the parishes, we see it rampant that it's just going in and really attacking the very fabric of the human family. So what are some of the facts that we know about pornography? Well, one thing that we know is, is that the age of exposure has, has dropped. I mean, you know, just 25, 30 years ago, the age of exposure to, to pornography was something like 10, 12 years old. And these days, I mean, some years later, it's, it's like at age six, seven years old. As the average for As the when average people are being when exposed they, the to The first time they're exposed to it, the first time they see it, and, and, I mean, you know, that's a young age. Well, and it, it's also been obviously influenced by the technology, by cell phones, by internet. I mean, in the past, you had to, to be exposed to pornography, you had to have access to a book or to a magazine mm -hmm. or something like that. Versus now, you basically have almost the entirety of the pornography industry in the palm of your hand, accessible at any time that a person wants. And just because of the prevalence of it in society, especially with everything that's happened in terms of the sexual revolution and in the normalization of pornography, as you've even as we've seen in TV and on media, I mean, what would have 20 years ago not been allowed on TV? I mean, basically we're seeing softcore porn um, or the standards of softcore porn 20, 30 years ago now become just normalized in society. One of the things that comes up a lot, even because I think those, those standards on TV, what's allowed or not, has shifted through the years, sometimes going different directions. But the comfort of people talking about using pornography off screen, if that makes sense. So people in television shows or late night TV show hosts or comedy bits that reference pornography use as something that's funny, as something that's just kind of part of life, it's just sort right. of there. So and again, maybe, as maybe not so much putting it out in front of people, right. um, but normalizing it as a behavior that everybody 
is exposed to in one way or another. Uh, you know, in uh, you know the episode, there was an episode of Friends where it talked about Joey having a problem with this. Just back in the '90s, and then it was kind of scandalous when he mentioned it. It was not really something that we were really to, willing to talk about. Now, like you said, now it's become kind of a punchline or a joke or, or something that's just so obvious. Of course, everybody's you know seen this or dealing with it. Um, and also, the use of pornography has dramatically increased, at least by several studies. There were some studies done in the 70s and 80s, um, Kinsey Institute and other institutes that were kind of looking at the sexual um, revolution and what had happened. And some of the early um, indicators of the pornography use back in the 70s, 80s was about maybe about 10% uh, of women um, periodically would use or had used pornography versus about 90% of men had been exposed to and used or had used pornography. Some recent studies that have been done is that as much as 60% of women, and so that's a dramatic increase in terms of female use of pornography, and that's what sometimes is like kind of the, also one of the uncomfortable things, is that men are more comfortable, at least by societal norms, talking about pornography, and we don't realize like with, among the use of women, it's becoming much more common, and so you've gone up to about 60% um, by some say standards of women use it, and now 98% of men have used or use and are current users of pornography. So, so all, almost every guy. The almost vast, every guy. The vast majority, yes. Mm -hmm. The number of clicks on these pornographic websites, the revenue that's being generated, billions and billions of dollars in some in some you know some ways some of these these uh, pornographic websites that generate more money than Hollywood movie studios. Um, so in a sense, I think it's kind of one of those things that doesn't get talked about that obviously is, is affecting and afflicting um, all of us in one way or another, um, directly or indirectly. Um, our own pastoral ministry, obviously, we're, we're seeing this all the time, recognizing that, that good people that are trying, this isn't just yeah. some, you know, that, that evil, creepy person that's struggling with this. Right. This is good people that are trying to live a good life, maybe are, are married or even in ministry. And, and so recognizing that, I think, is so important, but that this isn't just a um, kind of an inert evil. Like, in a sense, a magazine maybe was that. You had to, like, go yeah. to it to, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. uh, to, to find those images or those other things, too. In a sense, this comes to find you. And, and well, there's, there's, there's marketing tactics that are involved in this, and it is aimed at being addictive. And I think that's maybe something that even in the secular world, outside of religious context, that is coming up a lot now is the addictive aspect of pornography. Well, and, and the money, the money which is involved, because I think that there was a, back in 2019, um, roughly, you had about $136, million, $136 billion that was worldwide brought in by revenue by the uh, movie industry. So worldwide, $136 billion. 97 billion came in worldwide at the same time through the pornography industry. It's like if you look at that, and that's, that's not counting the black market. That's not counting what's that's going That's on the books, that's, legal that's coming pornography. In, that's, that's my understanding, yeah. yeah. So like when you look at the comparison between, okay, well look at the influence as well as the pressure that the media industry, I'm not saying that it was a bad thing, but the media industry in general, like the movie industry and so forth. That's Hollywood, Bollywood yeah, in India. $136 billion dollars worldwide. And almost equal, and that's again not counting what's going on under what's happening on the black market. Ninety-seven billion dollars worldwide. Mm -hmm. That's a huge societal pressure, which is now has its own 
has its own agenda of making and consuming more uh, users. And the availability of it. I mean, that, that it's so prevalent, that it's so available, and that it is becoming a little bit more mainstream, like we talked about, that, that it's just a common thing. But just the, the ability to, like you said, not have to go down the street to buy it or have you know, it come in the mail, but the, it's right there on your phone. It's right there on the, on the uh, device that you're using. And sometimes it's not even in hidden places. Sometimes it's in Netflix. Sometimes it's in Hulu, depending on what we're talking about. And so, I mean, it's, it's there ready available. So with this recognizing that this is obviously widespread, prevalent, most people have had some sort of exposure to it. Obviously, the church, and we'll get, you know, we'll talk about the, the teachings, what the Bible says about the gospel, about the goodness of the human body, and how we can begin to find some freedom there, particularly those who struggle with it. Why is this so popular? Maybe it sounds ridiculous to even ask that question. Um, you know, why is sex popular? No, but but well, yeah. why why is this again? It's that a, a popular pornographic website we just saw this this reporting on it that gets twice as many clicks every day as YouTube. And YouTube is the number one search engine for most, most people. That's what they right. go to to search for anything. That, um, that this website, which is only pornography, gets twice as many clicks every single day. And this is just one of these many websites. Yeah, we're talking about there. billions right. of clicks a day. Billions right. of clicks. And, and, and again, all the ad revenue that's generated in that, the, everything that, that's a part of that. So what, what's behind this, uh, this kind of this tenacious spread of this? Because this is the sort of thing that Hugh Hefner and people you know, in the 50s and 60s that were, were beginning to mainstream pornography couldn't even imagine what's, what's going on today. I think not just the availability, but, the, but the, in the ease of it, but the privacy of it too. That this mm. is something that at one point was seen as you know, something you wouldn't want to be accused of or you wouldn't want anyone to know about. And now, because you have a device that's in your hand that you can keep private, that you can erase the searches for and all those sorts sort of Not things. really, but yeah, yeah you, but you, if, you, they you think, think they can. You think that it, and, it, and it kind of lulls you into that, that, that false sense of security. But, but that, um, that, that availability is, is in privacy and, and no one has to really know, but that's what you think. No one has to really know. And so this can become something that, that's just, you know, just feeds itself. And yet it's also the elephant in the room because yeah. it's also because uh, culturally it's become normalized through media and through just desensitization of the of what's been normalized. It's like, okay, well, everyone does it. I don't, there's not a sense of that, even to a certain extent, like some people say, well, there's no longer even a shame. Right. Although I do think that most people inherently, like when they watch pornography and this is, when they see it and when they observe it, like there still is this, this implicit sense of shame which comes along with mm. it. And that's not just unique to Christians. Like I've yeah. known of other, of atheist people who have talked about like the shame which comes along with just like watching it. Yeah. So there's something I think which is intuitive, but as society and especially certain sections of society have tried to normalize this, um, and, but there's also not the, the societal pressure, the societal shame. It's just like, okay, well, everyone does it. It's not really that bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, too, it, it points to as well, um, and we can get more into sort of the faith aspect, but on an existential level that w we have this desire, and it's, it's you know, for intimacy, for love, for companionship, the, uh, that's usually expressed in and through the body, you know, that, that from when we're children, every level of development of being attached to our mother, our parents, siblings, friends, encouragement, you know, to, we get into romantic relationships where it makes, it progresses. So in a sense, there's this infinite need, this, this desire, and something like pornography, particularly internet pornography, is a seemingly infinite supply of, 
of kind of quasi intimacy. So it so it, it it's it's sort of leeching on to a, a real desire that people have. Like there's you know that this is good. The, Sex is good, you know, and we'll get into the church teachings on this too. That in case people didn't realize that sex was created by God, yeah. it's a good thing, you know. That that um, you know, purity and, and seeing the per human body and attraction to the other person and attraction between the sexes, all this are good things. But it it can, in a sense, it kind of gets shrunk down to this thing that I now control, yeah. and it's and it's kind of safe if that makes sense. There's, yeah. There's no risk involved. Obviously, there's a risk of being caught and of being exposed and of, and of being, you know, of being addicted to it and everything else. But seemingly on the surface, there's no risk involved where I can do this and it kind of just keeps feeding itself. It also, the diminishing returns with any sort of drug. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about that great organization. I highly recommend it, Fight the New Drug. Yeah. Um, it's a secular organization that does a lot uh, towards this. We'll talk about some more other organizations at the end. Um, but as a drug, the first hit is great, there's the endorphins, there's yeah. everything else released, but in a sense there's diminishing returns. So you have to keep getting more and more, and that's where the pornography sort of path goes. It might start with some very light, seemingly light, innocent things, quote unquote, but goes to those places where you never would have gone off the bat. You never right. would, would have stepped there, particularly if people are formed from a very young age in that. Right, and we hear, we hear uh, I'm not hurting anyone. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, that's the way it's kind of viewed because it's so docile, it seems, right there on your phone. Or, or it's helpful. I've, I've encountered people who have said it's helpful. Like, yeah. I've even encountered couples uh, who've come and said, well, we make use of pornography to spice things up, to enliven things, to get mm. some perspective. Um, and, the, like, we don't, like, there's all the argumentation which can be made. Well, I'm not using the stuff which is coming from countries and things like that. I use stuff which is very clearly with people who are consensual. They're not being a... Uh, trafficked and things like that, and so like, so I'm 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 participating. Like this is not something which is bad. This is actually something helpful. These these people are are uh, it's also are willing. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. It's almost kind of like a. I'm, I'm thinking of like you know uh, blood diamonds or something like that. Does this come from a conflict area yeah. or something? Or I can buy this mm -hmm. and, and it's and it's guilt free because it's it's there's no there's nothing wrong with it. It just is you know isn't something like a diamond. Um, that I can use or not use, as long as the means of getting it weren't bad, then it's okay. And I think I think there, there's something maybe that we we can easily fall into that sort of excuses us from asking the deeper questions of the people that are there consensual. And I think hearing the, those actual stories of people that have gotten out of the pornography in industry helps to really break down a lot of those stories that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. That oh, this is okay because they're all they're all they're all in on it. Yeah, I've also been told by couples as well that. You know, specifically, you usually hear it from the female side saying it about the husband, but sometimes you hear it the other way too. So I'd rather them look at pornography than, than cheat on me. And yeah. so this is a way to kind of keep them pacified while we may be at a point where physically or emotionally, whatever it is, they're not able to actually have sex at the time, that, that this is a way to do it. Or just on a natural level, you know, one person's sex drives higher than the other. And so, okay, well, just go take care of that yourself. And and so oh, yeah. pornography is a way to do it, and and you're not hurting anyone still. Absolutely. So we have this widespread phenomenon that is is reaching people younger and younger. As much as people want to say that victimless, obviously there are clear victims within this, uh, particularly when a child is exposed to this. We know the dark shadow side of this. I think we don't know. That's part of the problem of human trafficking, of children being sold into sexual slavery. Um, so those long-term effects it has upon the individual and society. Right. Yeah. So all this is kind of there, and in a sense, not being talked about in in in, in many ways, even within the church. But I think the church has some really good answers for that. 
Um, and, and I think, you know, so as, as we continue to discuss this, we're gonna, we're gonna begin to explore this from the church's perspective and the gospel shedding some light on this of how we can experience deeper healing for all of us who have been exposed to pornography, who've been affected, maybe even addicted to pornography, how to begin to experience some freedom, but also how to help others too. So we're gonna take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors, but uh, stick with us here at Catholic in America. Hey guys, thanks for checking out Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon, and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Father Tom Dillon, uh, priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. I think I have the longest hair in the, probably the state, and uh, I too like to party. I like whiskey and cigars. Father Doug Martin. I'm also a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and I'm married and roll tide. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> I was okay with the being married part. <laughs> <real tie thing. laughs> in Catholic in America, we engage the intersection between faith and culture. Tune in every week because no topic is out of bounds. We want to thank you so much for supporting this show by watching it, by liking, sharing, and subscribing. How else can they support the show? You can also become a patron on Patreon and support us financially. So if you support us, there's all kinds of swag. There's t-shirts, there's coffee mugs or maybe bumper stickers. I don't know. Maybe we could come up with a wig from Father Tom. <laughs> Father Tom wig would go, go a long way. So thanks for your support. God bless y'all and check us out next time on Catholic in America. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Catholic in America. Please like, share, and subscribe. So, in looking at porn, as uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, as this epidemic that is is destroying our society, and in, in our in, in our thoughts and insights in destroying the, really families and, and and cultures, why is this such a problem? Why why is porn such a problem? Maybe people have gotten to a place where they've accepted it into their own lives, or it's okay for other people to use. So wh why are we even having this show and, and and bringing this up as a topic? Well, I think it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's a problem because it feeds into so many other things. Like it's not just porn. Like it's porn which, which, which metastasizes like a cancer and grows and becomes worse and worse. And we're not just talking about the pornography addiction. It leads into all other different types of disordered behaviors. One very clear example of this is that, I'm not saying that all porn users do this, but this is the danger of heavy pornography use is that one thing that people who are pedophiles have in common is that almost every pedophile ever arrested is a heavy pornography user. And so like we know that this is just one of many different types of disordered patterns as well as the habits mm. as well as appetites is that the problem is also with desensitization. When you desensitize yourself to certain things, you have to start getting darker and darker and darker to get the same emotional hit. That's right. what we were kind of talking about before. Right. So it metastasizes, as well as your expectations, there's been a lot of stuff that's been done in terms of studies on expectations. Pornography will also create an expectation. That's where a lot of guys actually, it can create actually impotency issues. Yeah. With guys especially, is that their expectation of the bodies of what they are expecting also in their other, in their actual real relationships, because they've seen all these perfect bodies, some of which are actually computer generated. Right. Some of them actually are not real people. Mm, right. And people are like, well, okay, well that's not real people. But yes, but it also has the effect upon the person themselves. My expectation of my wife or of my girlfriend, if they're living in a sinful behavior, but still, your expectation, and also like the expectation of what the female or the male has to live up to, right. this inordinate idea, ideal of perfection, which is causing some people that 
people who are heavy pornography users actually have huge problems in terms of actually even being sexually aroused at a certain point because by normal by normal human activity which if you think of the cultural thing for most young people learning about sex in this um, porno vision world which is a, a john paul ii term most have been taught the lie that unless you look at porn you're not going to know how, how to have sex right you're like that's that's, that's the way you learn about sex and basically i think it's how a lot of parents approach this and other other ones too when in reality, we who are in this hypersexualized porno vision world, as John Paul II call, called it, we we have so many sexual disorders that are coming up. People that 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 are feeling tremendous, just brokenness in their sexuality, and so in a sense, it it, it isn't helping anybody to <laughs> to get better. Right. Every single person right. has access to it, and people are getting worse and worse in their intimacy, their relationships, even you know relationships that, for all intents and purposes, should be healthy are a lot of times being eroded, and a lot of times it's linked to and, and, and rooted in the use of pornography. Right, I mean, follow up on that. I mean, that's exactly some of the issues with it is, is that it does create this false expectation, and then also when one spouse finds out that another one has a problem with it, the, that, the betrayal that they feel from that, the, the, the lack of trust that they feel from that, it, it causes problems in relationships because neither of them feel like they can trust each other, even with just hiding these things. Because, you know, usually speaking with these things, sometimes the other person doesn't know just how bad it is. Mm. And, and so, um, and so they, they do feel betrayed because they're getting aroused by something else, by somebody else and not them. And so it makes the person who's on, on the other end of that question, am I good enough? Do I have enough to keep this guy or this gal interested? Am I enough for them? And so it makes them question how they even experience love. Well, and you will have, I will, you will have some people who might disagree. Because mm -hmm. they'll say, well, I don't have a problem with if my spouse uh, right. uh, uses pornography or if that's what they need and that's, that's good for them, I'm okay with that. And therefore, mm -hmm. The other person might think, okay, well, it's okay for me, or my spouse not is, is okay with it. Right. But you also have, though, when you look at how it affects the consciousness of the person using it, and it's also the problem with fantasy. Like, pornography in, involves something which is not real. It's not a real relationship versus your sexual appetite is something which is real, which was made for something, and not for a fantasy. Mm. And that's why, as we feed into, and as pornography has become more normalized, as people have kind of lived in this fantasy world and their entire sexual experience in many cases is entirely wrapped up in pornography, it has bred, and you can say, the kind of that fantasy now is what we expect. And now people are living out their fantasies, which are not real. It's starting to, as you start seeing all these other sexual deviations, all these different sexual disorders now rising, as people are living out their fantasies, mm -hmm. And I mean, everywhere from furries to all this different weird stuff that's coming out, but it, behind all these different movements and behind all these dis different disorders are people who are sexually repressed, sexually um, misunderstood, sexually like dealing like this with a very difficult of understanding our sexuality. And if we don't have God right. to help it order and to direct us to where we're gonna find actually something real, not a fantasy, but something where I find satisfaction, like we're in a huge crisis. Well, for people that maybe aren't there yet with faith also, and I think this is, this is why it's important. Um, Matt Frad has a uh, great book called The Porn Myth, which is basically, it's not a religious book. It's using all the statistical information that we have about pornography use, the detrimental effects on society. Uh, we, we mentioned, uh, you, know, you know, Fight the New Drug, other organizations that are basically secular um, in their foundations and in, in, in their methods that are seeing 
through brain chemistry and science, how this impacts negatively the development of young people, how it impacts the relationships amongst adults, um, how it keeps people from loving the way they want to love. And I think that's maybe, if, if nothing else, if someone's kind of like objectively, I have no problems with, with uh, pornography saying like, you're allowing a substance, an artificially created substance to keep you from loving well, to keep you from entering into your relationships around you. And I think that's maybe should at least give pause and an invitation to say like, this is not, um, this is not helping you to be the, the best version of yourself, you know? Right. And, and also too, I, I think, you know, the thing I always think about when talking to young people or not so young people, when thinking that pornography uh, trains them towards sex or towards life or towards relationships, that, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you play how you practice, so to speak. Yeah. That like, so, and what does that mean? Not just that I'm, I'm learning techniques about sex from pornography, uh -huh. but you're learning to use other people and learning to allow yourself to be used. And sometimes we know so much of pornography gets into areas of violence, usually violence against women, not ex ex exclusively, but usually violence against women. Sometimes God have mercy on us, violence against children. Um, that, that violence kind of becomes a normal part of, of, the, uh, of the vocabulary and of the way that things are discussed and, and the way that relationships are approached. If you're training yourself in that all the time and then you're faced with a, re a real relationship, a flesh and blood person that you want to love well, it becomes that much harder. It's already hard to love other people, but in a sense when, when we've trained ourselves with hours and hours and hours of, of our brain chemistry being altered by this substance, uh, we can't flip that off just because we want to. Right. Well, isn't it John Paul II that said pornography doesn't show too much, it actually reveals too little. Mm. That's part of the problem is, is that all we see is an image in a picture and we don't see what true love is. We're not able to love in a true way because it's, it's, it's not real. It's, it's a, it, even though it's a real picture, it's not a real person, it's not a real thing. We can't come to know that person in the way that really sex was created for us to get to know our spouse. I think it's also like in terms of the the why, like why is it such a problem? But also how do we fix it? Like part of the why is also the why it's a problem as well, is that, and this is what I usually counsel people and, and young men especially, but also women as well. Like the why it's a problem is because although you might not think people are being hurt, people are being hurt. And that appeals not just to the Christian sentiment. This appeals to pretty much even I, I mean, I know a lot of very moral atheists who, who believe that you shouldn't hurt people. And do no harm. Do no harm. Do no harm. But this does, yeah. that's where you look at, like, who are the victims of pornography? And taking away the veil, hmm. taking the veil off this industry and exposing it, ironically, to what it actually is. It is abusive. It is horrible. It is destroying people's lives. It's destroying the user as well as the person who's being used. The persons who are involved in the industry, the cameramen and things like that, the producers, all this, it is, it is a caustic, it is a destructive drug. Hmm. And that's why like taking the veil off, because really when you get down to it, there's three different types of persons. And that's why I say take the veil off. Who are the people who are being hurt? There's, I would put it usually in three categories of persons being hurt. And the first one is people who are being trafficked. There's a very clear, there's no way you can deny, deny the connection between trafficking, sex trafficking, and the pornography industry. Right. So For a $90 billion industry, yeah. on the surface, on, you know, the again, surface. on the books, you know, there's all sorts yeah. of things going so on. So you, you, have, you have very real people who are victims of trafficking, okay? 
which this is, we're not gonna get into all the, the horrors of trafficking and sex trafficking that goes on around the world. A lot of them from Asia, a lot of them from Eastern Europe, Africa, even now it's becoming more common in the United States and in uh, North America as well as uh, South America. But you have people who are being trafficked, which is a good chunk of, of pornography. The second category is people who are, like if you remember the movie Les Miserables, or the, mm -hmm. the, the famous book uh, by Victor Hugo, uh, the Fontaine character. Mm -hmm. People who are in economic straits, young women who have made bad choices, um, people who are finding themselves that they have no alternative. And so therefore you find the poor. Right. So the, the first category, the slaves. The second category, the poor, the abused. Those who have been abandoned, those who um, have been basically just like the character from Fontaine, as you see the slow corrupt, the slow decay of her character as her, mm. the psychological damage that comes from having to sell oneself. So you have the poor, you have the enslaved, and then there might be, again, there is that category of persons who walk willingly into it. But I also think that in, in terms of our current generation where you find, you also find the neglected. Those who were not taught their dignity, those who had poor mm. parenting, those who were taught just do whatever you want, Right. Make, make money, even those who are walking into it, who have not been taught that, no, you were created in the image and likeness of God. You have value, you have dignity. This is beneath you. Mm. And so like you have the poor, the enslaved, the neglected, the fatherless, the motherless, mm. even if they had fathers and mothers, the ones who were not taught. Those are the real victims. Absolutely. And I think that to a certain extent, and especially in, the, in the, all the different uh, social movements that we have right now, restoring the real voices of the people who are being hurt. Like this is not a victim, this is not a victimless act. There are victims. Mm. And because outside of that, there's really, I don't, I don't see any of the categories. Like there right. are, every single act yeah. entails a victim. Well, and so much of it too, you mentioned sexual abuse earlier, and obviously um, God bless those who, who have been through that and, and, and have experienced that, how this, so often is, is connected to sexual abuse where, where sometimes people who have experienced abuse and brokenness that this becomes, if, if there's an attack on your dignity and your sexuality, your identity as a man, as a woman, particularly at a young age, it becomes so much easier to believe, well, this is all I'm good for. This is to believe that this is the way that I find affection and love. Um, and all of us are impacted by these lies in various ways, but particularly there. So in a sense, it's someone who's already been wounded to then be taken advantage of within um, you know, within their wounds. And I think that this plays into it so particularly in such a pernicious way. Um, so, so being able to see that, because none of this, none of this conversation is to say, look how evil all you people are who are in the yeah. pornography industry, or look how evil even the people that are looking at it or addicted to it know that we're, we're wounded sinners. We're loved by God, but we're made for so much more. And I think that's maybe the message that needs to continue to be to be lifted up for each one of us. Right, and I, I mean, I think that's what the, the beauty of, of the, the Catholic faith and the beauty of the vision that we were given for sex by God himself, it is so beautiful and, and, does, and, and, and could speak to people who aren't even Christian, who aren't mm. Catholic, because it, the, the idea of the dignity of, of the human person is, is paramount to it. It's, it's right in the middle of it and at the forefront and doesn't make sense without it. And then secondly, the, the purpose for marriage that, or the purpose for sex, that, that it's not just about the feeling. But yeah, the feeling's okay. I mean, that's, that's part of what God created was, was that would be pleasurable. But, but what the pleasure's geared towards 
is kind of the is kind of the the big thing that we bring to the table as Catholics is that it's geared towards unity. It's geared towards these two people becoming one person, one flesh, and walking together through this life together. Yeah. And then that it's geared not only to that, but it's geared to the procreation of another. That 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 <sighs> this love would manifest itself so clearly that there would be another generated from it. I mean, there's just nothing in the world that that, that really mimics this type of love. One of the things I say to people, and this often surprises them, the devil hates sex. Yeah. The devil hates sex with all his heart, despises it, it, it disgusts him. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important for us. God does not hate sex, God yeah. loves sex. So what the devil does out of his hatred wow. is he dissects sex. He, he pulls it apart, but it's no longer linked to our relationship with God. It's no longer linked even to my relationship with another person or to relationships between sex and children, lifelong. But all these things rips it to shreds and then basically gloats over the carcass. Now, the, here's the thing, though. The carcass itself, the, the, the dissected, is still beautiful. It was made by yeah. God, so that's why it's still attractive. But authentic, integrated sexuality in a relationship with other people um, for Father Tom, myself as a celibate priest, for Father Doug as a married priest, that we're called to live this in our own lives. We're called to live purity and chastity and authentic and constantly be converted in that, that we know we're not there. We know that we're, we're fallen sinners. And I can speak for myself. I know I'm a fallen sinner and I, know, I need the Lord's mercy. But when I'm beginning to live that well, when I don't see other people as objects, when I'm living my own sexuality, who I am as a man created in God's image and likeness with integrity, those are the best days of my life. Yeah. Those are the days I'm like, oh yeah, this this makes sense. You know, when I'm not when I'm not, when I miss the mark there through my own sinfulness or or forgetfulness of God's the truth, that's when those the saddest days of my life. And so, but those don't have to define me. And I think that that's what we have to keep coming back to as well. Right, right. And and I think that's that's part of the problem with this is the hurt that it does cause that. It, it causes people to define themselves by that. They, mm. they, are, they feel defiled. They feel like that they're not worth it or, or worthy or that God could never love them again. And I think one thing that, that again, the Catholic faith brings is, is no, your, your dignity has not been destroyed. Your dignity has not gone away. The, the, what, who God loves is you. Mm. He loves you. Even, even in this, you know, even when you're falling like this, our Lord loves you and is calling you back to himself and wants you and wants to share that true dignity of love with you. Well, one of the things that maybe just for discussion, that the temptation of being exposed to pornography, being trained by pornography, is that it, it teaches us to reduce our bodies and everybody to a sexual, purely, you know, yeah, merely sex. Let me say merely sex. Like yeah. the body only means Over that. Yes, yeah, super eroticism, where basically, obviously, everybody is a sexual body. Every, every right. person were created sexual beings. Praise God, that in God's image and likeness. But to reduce it to only that, where basically, my body is only good, and that's what we're being taught by this, in as much as it is sexually useful or sexually dynamic or attractive. And so that gets into these areas of shame and self-hatred. I think a lot of times people struggle with gender, areas of their own gender and identity, yeah. Um, their own sexual orientation as well. A lot of that can be impacted by us training ourselves to reduce all bodies and our own, especially to uh, as as uh, participants in pornography or, or, or consumers of it, um, to, to see ourselves through that lens. Yeah, I think that also the the, the expectation goes to like the horrible horrible. And uh, we know we know from the last 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, longer than that, but 
least the conversation become more prevalent in the last 20 years about uh, body image and like the, I mean, just the self-loathing that mm. comes along with unhealthy body image expectations. Um, and there's, there's, that, there's that weird kind of interplay in, in body image expectations because like when you hold a standard, and that's where like we were getting into all these questions upon what's the standard of body image and so forth. But that's where the pornography industry is distorting this, is causing people to have a hatred, a hatred because their their expectations of themselves from what they've seen, or the expectations of their of their significant other and things like that doesn't meet the standard, and so like the the temptation is to okay let's just throw out all the standards, <laughs> yeah that which doesn't solve the problem that only yeah. exasperates the given problem they're like we're like we'll get rid of all standards of gender get rid of all standards whatsoever and therefore we'll solve this problem, and as we've gotten rid of them it hasn't actually solved it it's only increased the level of anxiety and self-loathing and self-hatred, especially of one's own body. Right, self-harm, got to yes, yeah. on anyone yep. who's struggling with that, but yeah. So what is our faith, how does our faith respond to this? And maybe we can you know, spend a little bit of time going deeper into this. I know we've, we've touched on it in various areas. I think of Jesus has this great line in Matthew's Gospel, which says, you've heard it said, thou shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So in a sense, this new way of seeing that is, is Jesus, Jesus just doesn't just give the command and say, like, good luck with that. He invites right. us into a new way of seeing other people. So how have you guys seen people ourselves, obviously as sinners that, that are, are being healed by the grace of God, but also the people that we work with, married couples, um, young people, old people, that maybe have been a, a, you know, stuck in this, this place of pornography use and maybe even addiction, begin to find freedom and have that new way of seeing that the Lord invites us into? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think some of the ways that that I've seen this especially is is when it, when it's brought out into the light of day. I, mm. I think one of the biggest things is about this is that it's a private issue, and so it's something that's hidden. And so when it's brought into the light of day, specifically when people can find someone to help hold them accountable to what they really are, are trying to to do. So I mean, to to say I want to I want to get rid of this. It is is a very difficult thing to keep just yourself and personally do, especially something this invasive, and something that is is really does change the way your brain functions and works. We we really need help with that, and so the first thing is just admitting we need help, and then secondly, bring it out into the light of day that I have this problem. Now, that doesn't mean you know going on Facebook and saying, "Hey, I have a problem with this," but but to find someone we trust, to find someone we can go to and say, "Hey, look." I really want you to help hold me accountable to this because I want to view things a different way. I want to view women a different way or men a different way or however it is that, that when we seek that help or when we're wanting to change, we, we really do need to seek help for this and that we, we can't go it alone. Absolutely. And, and, but, but that's what we want to do and that's really what pornography kind of tells us is we can go it alone. You can do it in private and what healing says is, is no, we, yeah. we need community for this. We need help with this. The lie that's that's keeping us from that a lot of times, and again, mm -hmm. that if you go and look for this stuff or if you're constantly going to it, that that's what you really want. Right. And being able to to recognize that that's not what you really want. And I think that's maybe maybe one of the things that a lot of times, one of the subtle lies that likes it, you know, our society, which says go do anything you want, but also as soon as someone is caught in a mistake or a fall, will publish it all over the news on right. Facebook Cancel and say, them. look how terrible you are. Right. Look at this disgusting pervert. Like the same ones that are telling you to go do whatever they tell you to do right, right, or right. whatever you want to do. So recognizing that that voice or even that tendency that we're falling, we need to fight against, so we need to you know, have self-mastery, 
But just because you go towards that thing or that in moments of weakness, that's where you go, doesn't mean that's what you really want. Or what right. Obviously, it's not what you're made for. You're made for, for glory. You're made for, for, for fullness of life. But to think that that's, that now defines us, yeah. our faith is teaching us something different, that we have fallen inclinations, but we, we, our real desires for God and for, and for, for, for real love. Right. I think that remembering that we believe in a God of freedom but a freedom from evil, a freedom from tyranny, a freedom from the desires of the flesh, as mm. well as the lies of the world, and freedom from Satan himself. Mm. I think that recognizing behind the pornography industry is a demonic ideology. Like this comes straight from the pits of hell, and it is demonic. It's the objectification, turning people into objects, objects of gratification, objects of pleasure. Mm. But that our God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, who enables us to have action and to change our lives. Like God desires freedom for all of us, mm -hmm. and that God is capable of giving us freedom. But as you were saying, mm -hmm. freedom which comes from exposure to the light. Yeah. And I really think that the only way in which we're really gonna be able to conquer the pornography uh, pandemic that is ripping through our, our country and our society in general is when there's a renewal of fatherhood and a renewal of motherhood. Because as, mm -hmm. We have kind of allowed those, those two words, even those two words are trigger words for many people today, but we need fathers who are going to teach their sons the reality of this warfare. Mm. And we need mothers who are gonna teach their daughters their own dignity and the reality of what they're being subjected to and what, what they can subject even men to, because this is not just a male problem. Mm. This is a male and a female problem. But our God is capable of conquering this. And that's why like recognizing, but the first way in which recognizing and in conquering an enemy is by naming the enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's why like St. Paul says in the New Testament, confess your sins one to another. Like talk mm -hmm. about these things. And the more that we talk about them, the more that we can actually start to grapple with them. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I actually think that many sometimes parents struggle with talking about this with their kids because they're struggling with it. Mm -hmm. Like how, right. how, as a father, how yeah. am I supposed to talk to right. my son when I'm struggling with this? Right. Yeah. That's exactly, not to your young children most certainly, but actually having frank conversations with teenagers yeah. and saying, you know what, this, is a, this was a struggle or this is a struggle. Well, however, however that Holy mm -hmm. Spirit guides that person, that you can talk with your priest, talk with, with another spiritual person, but having frank, open conversations, especially with young people, because they're being exposed and taught and addicted at a younger and younger age. Right. Unfortunately, it's gonna be the younger age you're doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so, so I think maybe too, for us as priests, for grandparents that are watching, or for parents to recognize we need to be supporting parents and having those conversations, whatever their struggles might be, because at the younger ages, not not saying like explaining pornography to kids, <laughs> but talking yeah, about yeah. the images that are out there, use that your body's good. Whenever someone's using their body to you know and manipulating that, then we we you know to 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 hurt other people or to to attract other people in, in a way. Obviously, you have you 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 talk about that reaction that you yeah. had of, of of seeing this and, and and rejecting it as a kid because yep. you knew something was not right. Yeah. But the same thing for for to be able to have those conversations at young age and continue to have the conversation. Sometimes I think we, we talked, we had a show about uh, about sex and I think sometimes we reduce it just the talk, you know, like, well, he's 12 years old, he's starting yeah. to think about this, but no, for consistent conversations, because the good news is so much better. Yeah. You know, uh, God's plan for sex is difficult, it's demanding, but it's so much better than what's out there. And this lie that we've believed that people that are in the pornography industry, God bless them, pray for their healing and salvation, that they're experts in sex, they're not. 
No. They're not. Don't you guys know? Because that's not that's not the reality of sex. That's a reduction of sex to to genital manipulation. Yep. And, and the the truth of, of love and life, the openness to life, the uh, self-sacrificial love, all those things that that are part of sex as God created it to be, are is so much better and and so much so much so much uh, more than what society has reduced it to. For us, so for us as as priests, I think obviously. If anybody's coming to us and struggling with this, coming back to that God loves them in the midst of their struggle, they're not alone in their struggle, I think that's so important for us to, to keep saying. The role of confession, I think that's that's one of the great graces that we as Catholics have, um, is confession as, as a sacrament. But, but to not reduce it to, it's not merely a spiritual problem. Obviously, fundamentally, it is a spiritual problem. Sure. It's spiritual warfare. But what is the role of, of counseling? We talked about some accountability, but actual counseling with with counselors who understand this is something that is antithetical to our human dignity, not someone who's saying that, that pornography is okay or someone who's bought into that lie. But how, how can people maybe begin to appropriate that and use counseling in the context of this trying to have freedom? I think um, if you go back to like the scriptures, uh, the apostles come to Jesus at one point and they tell Jesus, there are certain demons that we could get rid of immediately. Mm -hmm. And then there were certain demons that we couldn't get rid of. Yeah. And they're like, Jesus, why was this? And that's where Jesus's response, and if you pay close attention to what Jesus says, I think it's very telling, especially for this, because pornography entails an addiction, very often, very often, right. as we all know, okay? But Jesus' response to the apostles in terms of getting rid of certain demons, and there is a demonic element here within this, because it's, it's the demonic, it's, it's the evil one taking control of our appetites and enslaving us, right. okay? And slavery is always a touch of the enemy. So when you look at that, Jesus' response to the demons that couldn't be got rid of, because I've talked to so many guys, as well as even to some females who are just like, I want to stop, I can't stop. Like yeah. I keep coming to confession and they start despairing because like I go yes. to confession over and over and like I want to stop, but like I just, I, then they start to despair of God's mercy and love. Yeah. Mm. And that's where like, I go back to Jesus' words about the person who struggles with habitual sin. The way that this is removed is through fasting and prayer. Mm. And now if you break those two words apart, fasting, which is the retraining of the appetite. So that the, yeah. recognizing that the appetite, like St. Paul, St. Paul says, get rid of this particular demon I'm struggling with, and God says, no, my mercy is enough for you. Because sometimes God leaves us with struggles, especially when we have struggles with the flesh, mm. which have to do in an appetite, an appetite which is becoming gorged, or which is starving. And it's not about cutting it out, it's about retraining the appetite. And that's really what fasting, in the, in the Christian tradition going all the way back to the Jewish, fasting was not about you totally get rid of something, is that you take what in our food appetites during Lent, two small meals, one regular meal to put the appetite back into its place. Mm -hmm. Where it's not just being engorged, as well as that you don't totally cut it out. You have to retrain the appetite, and that's through fasting, and then prayer, which is conversation. Yeah. And then you have to have the conversation with God, and sometimes you have to have the conversation with a counselor, and that conversation is an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. So like that's the place where I see that a spiritual director, a counselor, a way where you're able to get through and look at the origins of why did you particularly start with this? Because lots of people use pornography for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. getting and opening that up, uncovering any wounds, any lies that you've accepted and cutting those out, however, that, whether it be through confession or whether through just understanding one's own development, but that's where you have to have sometimes counseling. Mm -hmm. That's where people are looking for a quick and easy fix. They're just like, I just want a quick, easy fix. And that's how sometimes if you approach the sacrament of confession 
as a quick, easy fix. Sometimes confession is not always a quick, easy. It's right. the path. Right. It's the beginning point towards freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and in, in, you know, following up on that, I mean, that is one of the things that I think that I see with with people when when they are, you know, coming with this issue is is you don't want them to go. You don't want them to go into despair. And so one of the ways you do that is is like you were talking about that that little bit of accountability that they have that that they get to that they get to to be with someone who loves them and cares for them and knows where you know knows that this is a problem and can help them but one of the big things that I think that, that's not focusing on enough that really needs to be is is that lots of times especially when people are trying to quit this and they're battling with it sometimes there's triggers there's things that happen in their life, like anxiety or anger or, or the you know the feeling of loss. And that's where counseling is really yeah. helpful. And so yeah. and so counseling can come into those situations and help them figure out what's that trigger, what's the thing that's kind of you know maybe helping lead to this. Yeah, loneliness, stress. Yeah, and and mm. and then you know again them you know not leaving them in despair, not leaving them in a, a position of of. You know, well, to a certain extent, just give it up. I mean, that's one of the things I always encourage people about when they come is, is, you know, look, don't give up on this. Don't think that this is, you know, for some people, this isn't an easy fix. This isn't something that you just decide today you're going to quit and you just quit. I mean, hopefully that's what you do. That's what, you know, that's what the plan is, is when you come in here. But to realize that if you fall back into it, that's what the grace right. of the sacrament's for. Mm. And that doesn't mean that, that you didn't mean it. It doesn't mean that you weren't trying it means, you know, lots of times, obviously, when they're coming to confession about this, it means they are, actually are trying. Right. It means they are being convicted, and that's a good thing. That's a sign that the grace of God is working in your life, that you're in here every week because, look, there's lots of people who aren't. There's lots of people who aren't coming with this, who have normalized it or, or, or have seared their conscience so it doesn't bother them. I think that also, like, looking at the triggers, and that's usually what I've seen, is that most most times that people fall into pornography, there's usually three triggers. Loneliness, yeah. stress, or boredom. And I actually heard on a secular site, uh, not to bar, uh, <clears throat> fight the new drug, I think it was, but uh, that many people, especially when dealing with boredom, especially in our society today, many people have boredom. Yeah. But the first thing that we do as human beings with boredom is that boredom is, a, is, is the impulse where we have for a search for meaning. So yeah. I'm, I don't see meaning, and so the first easy, easy, quick fix for meaning is pleasure, yeah. gratification. Yep. So many people in a search for meaning, they, the, the first thing they gravitate towards is pleasure, which is why pornography and masturbation and its associated sure. acts is, gives you temporary meaning, temporary relief from the boredom. Mm. And it's yeah. also it's a quick and easy fix as we as and we've trained especially we've been trained in that yeah for especially years in an instant years gratification years. society yeah. where where mm -hmm. instantaneous results I can get information as quickly as I want and I don't have to put any that much effort or virtue discipline mm -hmm. into this I just get to take a pill and so by people in a search for meaning gravitate towards pleasure and that's why like the reason and the consciousness that God has given to us like the reason why we are like God is because we can think we don't have to be controlled by our passions. Like we have yeah. passions, passions are good, but they're not meant to control us. That's why like recognizing, no, I'm gonna search for something deeper, something harder, something which is gonna create discipline and virtue in my life. Yeah, there's a good, the good principle I think for anyone in the midst of this fight, we're fighting for you, we're praying for you, we're all yep. sinners, we're looked upon by a loving and merciful God. Um, and grace builds on nature. And yeah. so I think that, that this, is, this is really important because the tendency can be for people of faith, 
to think, well, all I need to do is go to confession. Yeah. And that's, that can be obviously pornography, th other things that are addictive in a sense that that should be enough. Now, to forgive our sins, anytime you go to confession, you're sorry for your sins, the Lord forgives them completely. Right. He leaves nothing out. He gives us all the grace to change. But grace builds on, so grace, the grace of God builds on the nature of who, if our nature has been ordered a certain direction because of years of pornography use, because of our own brokenness or abuse, our own right. sins, other people's sins against us, all that needs to be looked at. Now, a lot of times we would prefer if God was just like, da -da -da, yeah. and changes God it all. Magic. Yeah, right. like the, God, God just, <laughs> yeah. just does his spell. But the hard work of transformation and change over an extended period of time, as you said, I think is really, really important. One of the one of the questions that's that comes up a lot now in counseling, and I think is really important that a lot of people don't want to look at, is even being able to discuss. And this is why going to a counselor, um, a spiritual director, someone who's trained in these areas, the type of pornography that someone's attracted to. Yeah. A lot of times, that's that's pointing back to areas of your own heart that are in need of deeper freedom. A lot of times we don't want to talk to anyone about that, you know, don't want to say, it's just bad stuff, you know, <laughs> but to be able to have honest conversations there for the sake of not, not so someone can be purient or, or be embarrassed by it, but for the sake of being able to sort of retrofit deeper healing and where, where does forgiveness need to enter in? Where does a place of, um, of, yeah, of just transformation and healing from our past, childhood, all those things I think are important and good counseling in the context of, of good community life, accountability, and spiritual direction and confession really can help us to, to find deeper freedom in these areas. So with that, guys, again, hopefully everyone, anyone that's, that's listening to us, watching this today, um, take some hope from this, recognizing, first of all, the seriousness of pornography as, as we talked about it, as this epidemic um, that is infecting and affecting society in many damaging ways, how we as Catholics have a different way of viewing the human person. We're called to live in, live in a different way in our, in our appreciation of, of sex, but also to how we can begin to find freedom. Um, that just as this has, has, has uh, impacted so many people, and has been addicted to so many people that maybe we can begin to turn the tide in our own hearts and in our own families by having these these sort of conversations and uh, by living in, in community with, with with others. Also, going on the finishing up with freedom, like God desires freedom for all of us. Yeah. We all struggle with sin, and that's where, like, going back to what you were saying a little bit before, is like the notion of shame. There's mm -hmm. nothing too shameful that you can't bring to God. Amen. And there's, I'll just tell you this: if you're a Catholic. <clears throat> there ain't nothing that a Catholic priest hasn't heard. Yes. Nothing. Absolutely. We've heard it all. Yep. Like there is freedom from the shame. Right. And that's the, the evil one wants to isolate us and keep his loneliness. Yes. And that's where he uses loneliness to try to control us, to try to say this is too shameful, bring it to the light. Mm. And God wants us. But I also think that this one thing which I've told many, many people in confession, especially like for the last two, three years, is, um, is that not only that, but like we're not just called to be passive. Like... God wants us to be active and we need to be the church militant. Yeah. Hmm. And so it's not just about like me avoiding the sin of pornography. Right. It's about me actually engaging. That's where the prayers of people who struggle with particular sin, those persons who struggle with that sin are the most effective prayer warriors against that sin. Hmm. So if you struggle with a pornography addiction or if someone who does struggle with one, like that's one of the ways in which we also remember who we are, who, who it is that we're fighting for. Like these are the abused, these are the neglected, these are the enslaved. Yeah. And so like the person who has that temptation towards using that, if we start remembering who these people are 
and then praying for them, praying Absolutely. and being active. It's not just me, I'm going to avoid the internet, right. I'm going to avoid these things. I'm gonna actively part of my prayer life, I'm gonna make this a consistent part of my prayer where I'm not praying for myself for freedom from this, I'm praying actively that someone show these people love. Yeah. As well as remembering that who these people are. And that's what pornography does. Pornography takes away their body, it yeah. takes away their emotions, it takes away their, but even most damning of all with pornography is that pornography strips that person of their history. Yeah. Mm. And God, that's like, it, it's a yeah. completely, that's why like by restoring these people's history, yeah. giving them back, it's also where we take the sweetness of the sin and we, we, we fill it once again with the, with the real poison. Like that's where we recognize, no, these are, these are our brothers, these are our sisters, and we're called to pray for them. And in that prayer for them, we fight against the industry. Mm. And I think that it's, it's also where we find ourselves also at the same time fortified. Mm. Like the spirit fills us, it's not just for me, myself, and I. It's for, I'm praying this for you. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where I, I've seen people who found freedom in especially recognizing that they are the best warriors. It's, it's like the, when, you turn, when you turn someone from the enemy's side, yeah. those become the most you active the agents yeah. for actually yeah. bringing down yeah. that army. And Absolutely. that's where we need, That's the more that we turn insight. people and empower them, mm. because Satan has disempowered them, mm -hmm. and the world has disempowered them, their own flesh has disempowered them, the more that we empower people yeah. to actually fight and recognize you actually do have power over mm -hmm. this because you have Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, brothers, I mean, we've talked about a lot of very important things. Why don't we just end with a prayer for those in the in that industry, for those that are enslaved to it as well. And uh, again, praying for you guys uh, here with us. You want to join with us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we lift up to you. Um, we thank you for this conversation. We thank you for the goodness of who we are, creating your image uh, as male and female you created us, Lord. We thank you for the gift of our bodies and, and of our sexuality. Lord, we pray uh, and for your forgiveness for those places where we've trespassed against that. Against that. We pray for all those in the pornography industry. Lift up especially um, uh, the poor, the abused, and the enslaved. Lord, may that be our, our constant prayer each and every day, particularly for those of us who are in this fight, uh, that we can pray each day, Lord, each morning, each evening, for the poor, for the abused, for the enslaved, to experience the love that you have for them, the healing you may break the bonds of Satan, Lord, that seek to keep us enslaved, that we might live in the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. We might experience your mercy and forgiveness. May you bless us this day, Lord God, and our viewers and all those who've been watching with us. Almighty God, bless and strengthen us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank Amen. you all so much for joining with us today. Thank you, Father, Father Doug, Father Tom, and uh, for all of you, our supporters on Patreon, those who share um, uh, these videos. We can't do this without you. Till next time, we'll see you here at Catholic in America. Thank <laughs> you.